Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a series of podcasts from Verant featuring chats and discussions with leading figures from the contact centre, CX and customer engagement industry. During this series, we want to find out what customer service organisations are doing during these challenging times and try to discover what it is that drives the leaders in this space and what makes them tick. My name is Martin Riddle, and as well as being your host for the series, I'm also Berent's Vice President of Marketing for the Asia-Pacific region. This is our first podcast for 2021, and I trust you all had a peaceful, happy, and restful break. This year, the Berent In Conversation with podcast series is set to go from strength to strength, with some great guests lined up in the coming weeks and months. And from time to time, we are also going to welcome some special guests to actually host an episode. And today is just one of those days. It was great to be able to chat with our first guest presenter during a podcast episode last year, where she gave us her take on the impact of the pandemic on the customer engagement industry. And I'm sure she's now delighted to be on the other side of the microphone, posing the questions to today's featured guest. Without further ado, it gives me great pleasure to welcome the principal analyst from Ecosystem, Audrey Williams. Audrey! Hello and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Martin, and many thanks for the introduction. And it's great to be on the show again. Uh, Really looking forward to um, speaking to a very special guest today. And um, I'm actually going to be interviewing Ryan Hollenbeck, Barron's Senior Vice President, Global Marketing. Hi, Ryan. Lovely to connect again and... Hope you had a good break over the holidays. Hi, Audrey. Very nice to speak to you again as well. And yes, I did. And I hope you did as well. Had a very nice holiday break. That's excellent. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Ryan, about um, what you're seeing in the industry. So, you know, we're in 2021. Uh, time flies. Yes. So the last 12 months have been, you know, challenging Uh for the contact center industry. And, you know, contact centers uh, in the Asia Pacific region had quite a bit to deal with, you know, from disruption in offshore services, large spikes in inbound activity, and then managing inbound activity within a desired time frame has been challenging. So, you know, uh, contact centers had a lot to deal with, but three things happened during this time. And, and now contact centers have realized they can no longer do business as usual. They've been forced to accelerate on their digital transformation efforts. And finally, there is this need to understand more about the customer so they can start personalizing the experience. So Ryan, you know, one of the areas I'm starting to hear from customers is so much of data that contact centers are collecting, you know, data residing in multiple repositories and silos from SMS data, web chat data, data from chatbot, CRM, marketing automation. And CX leaders know that they must start making sense of the data. We've been talking about this for a long time, and it is no doubt a challenging task. What would be some of the best practices you can share, Ryan, around how how enterprises can become you know, more of a data-centric company in driving CX excellence. Yeah, thanks for that, Audrey. It's a good backdrop that you provided there, and we're definitely seeing this with our customers as well, this this whole notion of too much data and what do I do with it all and how, do, how can I get my head around it and really make it um, more actionable, I guess, if you will. And so uh-huh. very, very much a, you know, good context. And I think organizations really, more than anything, 
have a problem when it comes to data silos. It's just yeah. such a big obstacle with so many of them, isn't it? You know, they, mm. they say they're focused on digital transformation. Okay, great. But if you think about what they're struggling with, it's how to unlock all of that value that exists related to CX data so that they can drive a better customer experience across their organization. It, it sits in so many different departments and in so many different forms that building any sort of interaction data it's just non-trivial, isn't it? It's very difficult. Yep. It's mm. unstructured in some ways and so many systems and different modalities. It's, it's really a challenge at the moment. Oh, absolutely. And I think you, you, you pointed that out well. I think it's different modalities, different silos, and it's a big problem. It's a real problem that a lot of organizations are grappling with. Not many have got that right. And I think one of the problems in the industry is also this huge disconnect between sales and marketing teams. You know, there is this battle going on as to who owns the customer. In fact, many times um, when marketing runs a program and the sales team speak to a customer, the same customer is also sometimes speaking to a contact center agent. But very rarely do these dots align. And also very rarely is the data that is collected from these different groups shared. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ryan? This is another really good point, and it's, it's one of these things that's been around for quite some time, isn't it, between contact centers and marketing organizations. And it's those of us in, in the contact center or really who own customer experience more broadly that get left holding the bag because marketing might be running off and doing a whole bunch of things that are driving contacts back into an organization. You know, we talked about all these different modalities. It could be a, a voice call into a contact center, but it could be something that's happening via chat or email or messaging and mobile devices and self-service. And as you drive more interactions back into an organization, you'll be so much more effective with your response if you're joined up across marketing and other departments within the organization and circling back to your first question on all of the different data and masses of types of mm -hmm. data that exist out there, mm -hmm. trying to get some sort of single view at scale of what's happening is really, really critical when, when you think about this, this entire challenge. And so many organizations think they can get there really with just something as simple as a survey and it's just not going to get it done. And, and I think reflecting back on, on the marketing organizations, they need to coordinate much more holistically across the organization. And the mm -hmm. customer experience teams need to reflect on where is CX, not just as a department, but as a, a holistic function that touches every area of the organization. Again, breaking down these silos and thinking how you can have access to the, the right kinds of data across the enterprise and use it to drive real business actions. That's what we're hearing a lot from our customers. I think, you know, it's, it's very important, I think, moving forward, and we're going to see a lot of that this year, to your point, to break down all these silos. I think these divisions can no longer have their own KPIs. They'll have to be a company-wide KPI in terms of what is CX and, and possibly also, you know, the role of a, chief experience officer, you know, someone that manages all of that company-wide. Yeah, yeah and, we're and seeing that title much more uh, as well, Audrey, so very consistent with what we're seeing, the need for a VP of CX or a chief customer officer. And 
I think, as mm -hmm. you're also saying, addressing this problem of silos to create more of a unified experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things you pointed out earlier, uh, Ryan, which I thought would be a good segue into my next question, you talked about feedback and surveys. And, you know, one of the areas in the industry, I think that must change moving forward is just how feedback is collected. And, you know, not too long ago, you know, this is a personal story. I just received a survey from a bank asking me four very simple questions about their product. And if I was satisfied with the service, and, you know, the questions were simple and straightforward, but I'm no longer using that product from the bank. Um, in fact, I'm using another product and my priorities have changed. You know, there is this gap around not understanding the various journeys of a customer. So it's not just me facing this problem. You know, many people face this issue um, about being asked the wrong question or being asked to review products that just simply do not matter to them. And then you have the other challenge of customer ratings, you know, through NPS and TSAT scores. So these ratings, you know, they give you some sort of feedback, but it's not good enough. It's not good enough to tell you about, you know, how the customer is feeling, for example, what their next move will be. Are they thinking about other offers in the market? So Ryan, what should enterprises be thinking about when listening to customer feedback and surveys? And how can this process be improved? Well, first, I like your example, Audrey. It's a good one, and and I empathize <laughs> with you. It's, it's frustrating, isn't it, when you're when you're getting these surveys that are completely out of context? And I think that's a big part of it to start with. Is that it, you know, customer experience has become more challenging, and yet it's even more strategic and and critical these days to business success. And what we're finding is organizations, really in any industry, they want what you might characterize as more enduring relationships. And, and in yeah, order to create absolutely. those more, yeah, don't you think? In, in oh, order yeah. to create them, they've got to create a more holistic approach and it's got to happen across multiple touch points. You know, this whole idea of, you know, a, a survey is going to cut it just isn't correct anymore. And, and they've got to move beyond surveys so that they can, it's okay to survey in context, but they've got to move beyond that to get a better understanding of all customer, and, and I would say importantly, employee experiences so that they mm. can drive the right actions. Mm -hmm. You know, th mm. this again gets back to the notion of a more unified experience and starting to think about how you can take what's happening uh, in, in various interaction points, whether that happens yeah. at a, in, in a real-time uh, environment once we get out of the pandemic, or more likely in digital channels, and then bringing them all together to present a unified picture of what's happening and using that to drive action instead of just a, as in your example, an outdated survey that's totally out of context. Uh, great points, Ryan. And I think one of the things that will definitely need to change is that, you know, you can use these, um, you know, CSET uh, and NPS ratings for customer feedback. But I think organizations will start to have to layer that uh, with machine learning and AI because then you can start through speech analytics, you know, start listening to the sentiment of the customer. You can detect how they're feeling uh, from the tone of their voice. And I think that's very important. And then you, you match that up. You take the CSAT scores and these ratings, but then you also start listening to the customer. And then you take a, you, you're starting to get a holistic view of customer feedback. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because getting beyond just the the simple 
I think I, I like the way you said it earlier as well, Audrey, where you said you've got to have joined up KPIs. You have to have something that the entire organization is focused on, right? Not just one particular silo. And it's nice mm-hmm. to have NPS and, and CSAT. Those are important, I think, as you're suggesting, but they've got to be supplemented by a more unified approach to the data, which comes from so many different areas. And Mm -hmm. we've come so far as an industry, haven't we, with AI? And I think you're right in saying AI needs to be deployed more effectively as a means to get to the more real-time information, which which you can act on much more quickly than some sort of annualized customer experience CSAT data. That's right. And I think this whole role, um, you know, notion around just sentiment analysis, you know, speech analytics, and just listening to customer feedback at scale uh, not just randomly, I think that's going to be really important. You know, another hot topic in the industry is um, IVA, intelligent virtual assistants. It's mm. a hot topic now because um, contact centers are starting to face these cost pressures. And, you know, they will look to start automating some of their processes. And, you know, we will see some large IVA deployments in 2021. But getting the IVA deployment right, you know, can be complex because, Many companies, um, and I'm sure you would know this as well, have gone down that path of implementing an IVA solution, and then they start realizing, hang on, A, you know, the IVA is not answering my customer's question, and B, the IVA does not understand the flow of the dialogue. So, you know, this has frustrated customers, but also created more work for the agent. So the design of the solution must be done well from the start. And one of the starting points is integrating the IVA solution to a knowledge management system. So knowledge must be looked at holistically, and this is across agents, um, the customers, and ultimately company-wide. So consistent and accurate knowledge, um, Ryan, which I'm sure you, you, you can talk about this, you know, cannot be compromised. What's your view on that? Yeah, I think this is, I think you're really on to something here, Audrey, in terms of what we're going to see going forward, both in terms of virtual assistance and in terms of being able to embed knowledge, something that Mm. we don't see everybody doing, but it's really important. I I think the first part of your question, we've seen data that would suggest that as much of a third of executives think or believe that IVAs are likely to have the largest impact on their businesses. I think the reason why is because of some of the data points that you can get if it's done right, as you're suggesting. You can massively deflect live chat, for example. Mm. You can mm-hmm. really uh, reduce costs. You can, you can, as it relates to service emails in, in, in a single year, for example, you can save lots of money. We've seen examples up to a million dollars. So I, I think when you think about all these different avenues to pursue for a virtual assistant, they're pretty significant. But I think your warning, so to speak, is a good one. Make, make sure that you're not just throwing something out there or you're really just going to find that it's going to increase the time your agents have to spend correcting mm-hmm. what the virtual assistant mm-hmm. may have said. And you know, we've seen customers, we have what we call a, an AI blueprint. And that just helps you understand and identify what's the real business need for AI and what sort of returns are you expecting and how can a very specific customized solution help you get to where you want to go? Because I think that long-term success, a lot of people are 
maybe doing what you might call baby AI. But you know, right, grown-up right. AI, if mm. you want to call it that, is gonna is gonna really require things like uh, you know, being able to generate very measurable key performance indicators that are adapted to your business goals for the actual virtual assistant mm -hmm, and generating mm -hmm. a roadmap that maps into that. That's going to be much more key to long-term success. And I, I love your point on knowledge. Many organizations are not thinking that way. They're thinking of knowledge as something for a live agent that gets delivered to the agents, which is critical, though no, no argument right. with that. Mm -hmm. But I, mm -hmm. I love your point about why can't the knowledge be embedded into the virtual assistant? And for that matter, for all self-service purposes, I think that's mm. an excellent point. No, that's, that's great. And, and thanks for sharing that. And um, I, I love to talk about the next topic because it's something very close to my heart. I cover that a fair bit, you know, future of work. And so this whole work from anywhere model uh, is likely going to continue into the foreseeable future. I think you look at where we are today, we're, you know, there's still quite a lot going on with COVID. So this is going to continue for a while. But, you know, you're looking at staffing issues. Staffing issues will be a challenge as you might have part-timers working in your contact center, you know, with the gig economy rising. Then you must balance the part of um, having automation and the human. And at the same time, you have to ensure that you are compliant when you're running a contact center. So there is a lot for contact centers to think about in this work from anywhere model. Any best practices you can share or highlight what contact centers should be looking at? Well, first, I we, we like this topic also, and and you know you've written a lot about it in your research, and we've certainly heard a lot about the future of work and you know working from anywhere models from our customers and partners as well, and and we see this as a as a big one. And and I would mm -hmm. I would suggest first before even thinking about any technology that organizations should really reflect on the people themselves, uh, better communications, but also showing as much empathy as they possibly can. It, it's remarkable mm -hmm. how resilient people have been, especially in the in, in our industry, the CX industry, if you think moving home and how what a challenge it is, because you're the front line to interacting with all of your customers. And they've been very resilient, and yet they're forced with enormous challenges with, with children at yeah. home, and, mm, and, you know, needing to, needing mm -hmm. to interact. And, and so I, I, I share your, some of what you've written about that, that, you know, we show empathy, they're very resilient, but, but show that to them first and, and then make sure that they feel that they're part of something. And that's where the communications comes in. Um, those are all mm -hmm. so important, even before you get to the technology, which is very significant here. The technology, as you mentioned, can help with staffing, as an example. If if you can allow people remotely to do shift bidding, as an example, to bid for the, the shifts in their day or night that make the most sense for them in their personal environment, especially while they're at home and they're challenged during the pandemic yeah. and other things, mm -hmm. that, that's a really uh, big one, and you can do it on your mobile device with with technology that exists today. Same for mm -hmm. performance management. So much you can do to understand your own performance. So many people want to be able to do that, and then even do things comparatively to understand how I'm, how's my group performing to another group. These are standard everyday things in a call center or a CX environment, you know, non-pandemic. But there is a way to do them, and it can make people feel so much more connected. No, absolutely. I think very good points. And I like your point about empathy. That's a really important one because sometimes we, we take it for granted that these are the guys who've got the toughest jobs and 
There's so much that they've had to take on in the last 12 months personally by moving to the home. And, and you pointed that out really well, Ryan, because they've had to deal with, you know, a lot of family members at home, noise in the background. Definitely, um, I think when you've also got the right tools and technologies in place, you know, first priority should be how can I make that agent feel good? Because when your agent feels good, they're going to perform well. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and you know, we, we use all these words like, you know, uh, agent empowerment and employee betterment and so on. And, and yet it's real. Call it what you like, but it's very real. And especially now, and the ones who mm. do feel empowered and they do feel knowledgeable, back to your point yeah. on knowledge, mm. they, they want to do well. Mm. That's, their, that's their deepest desire, actually. So our job often, I think, is, as managers is to just enable them to, to go do that. No, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, great points there. And um, I'd like to say, you know, thank you, Ryan, for sharing your views about the industry because we're going to move into the second part. I've got some fun questions for Ryan. So to kick things off, um, what has this COVID period meant for you personally? Well, that's a good one. And I would just say, first of all, that it's been a challenge for me, just like it has been for so many others. And it's been a pretty massive uh, adjustment. Mm. Obviously, in the tech industry like we're in, of course, at times we work from home, but we get into the office as well. And it's a great way to interact and be around other people and make sure you have shared common goals and you're building a effective team. And that's a bit more challenging mm. uh, remotely. And, and for me personally, you know, it, it's, it's been a challenge, too, because, you know, I like being in, in that environment and uh, yeah. you know, I've had to really mm. adjust and and, and get out. So I've had my fair share of challenges, but I have to say, Audrey, it's also been during this period of time, coincidentally, has actually brought great joy uh, to me personally, too, because my my son and my daughter-in-law had their first child and I became a grandfather. And, oh, and so, fantastic. Congratulations. And, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and it shows, it's a reminder of the bright future that, that's ahead, despite all the challenges that we've had. No, absolutely, and and that that that's great. I think um, I think we just have to be you know positive and look on the bright side. So my next question, Ryan, is um, do you have a favorite song or a book you can talk about uh, you read during this period? You know, when Martin asked me this question last year, I told him you know I'm a jazz fan and I occasionally listen to uh, Brazilian jazz. I love bossa nova, and my favorite song is Desafinado. Great one. Well, I have to say, I, I share the jazz uh, vibe with you, Audrey, because I years ago I played the saxophone and was in a jazz band, and and uh, I love the love the music. Um, I, I, you know, oh, wow. more recent more recently, I've been you know listening to all sorts of uh, different other mm. kinds of music, and and uh, you know, one, one particular person I came across in in 2020 during the pandemic is an artist named Gramps Morgan. Mm -hmm. And um, he sang a really fun song that kind of reminded me of being on the island, if you will, called Runaway Bay. But yeah. he also sang another song called People Like You. And this song, People Like You, really affected me in, in terms of how to how to think about how we should be treating one another with kindness and, and maybe especially during what we've been dealing with. Mm -hmm. And finally, Ryan... What is your favorite device or gadget? <laughs> well, 
I, you know, in the tech industry, we have a lot of gadgets. I, I hesitate to say this because it can also be very addicting and, and dangerous if you're not careful, but it's probably my smartwatch. You know, it, it's really helped, I think, during these trying times with being able to attempt to keep fit where, where I can, yeah. but mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. you, can, you can have your music on it and, and you can track your steps and your progress and, and all of these sorts of things. So that's, that's probably, uh, that, that's probably it for me. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and I look forward to connecting again. Yeah. Pleasure's mine, Audrey. And yes, very much looking, looking forward to connecting again soon. Thank you.